Genius, it takes a lot to get on my show. Genius, you're probably someone we'd like to know. You're really good at stuff, you probably like to dance. You like long walks and you wear clean pants. Genius, get onto my show. Howdy, folks. Welcome to Living with a Genius. I'm your host, Omar Crook. On this episode, I have musical theater veteran Kristen Towers Rolls. Uh, she comes from a long line of actors and actresses, all the way back to the golden age of Hollywood. Her grandmother, as a matter of fact, was Catherine Grayson, who was in tons of uh, really terrific movies in the back in the day. Kristen was very helpful to me when we met about six months ago uh, at the Morgan Wixon Theater, which is in Santa Monica, where I did my very first um, musical theater show ever. Being a classical musician, I don't... Uh, really get a chance to do a lot of them, and I found myself involved with one, and I really had a great time, and Kristen was very encouraging and very helpful, and, you know, I hope to work with her again. Um, as a matter of fact, she's directing a production of Company by Stephen Sondheim at that same theater, the Morgan Wixon Theater in Santa Monica, early next year, so keep your eyes and ears uh, posted, open for that. Anyway, I had a great time with Kristen. We had a very nice, long conversation about uh, politics and family matters and growing up, some uh, difficulties that we both share, which uh, she was very frank about and very open, and I really appreciate that. I, I have kind of a uh, the same kind of streak, so we got along just fine. I hope you enjoy the conversation. Thank you all for listening, and here's Kristen. Yeah. Now this, now this I know how to work. All right. All right. Thank God. <laughs> well, thanks for being on the show. Yes, thank you for having me. So you've got a busy day today. You're going to go sing at Tam O'Shanter's? Tam O'Shanter with the Voices of Christmas. Oh, that's nice. Yes. How many caroling pieces do you do? Our book has 108 pieces in it, and I I know about 100 of them off book. Oh, seriously? Cause, yeah, because there's eight that like maybe someone will call once a year yeah. and you have to have them with you. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. Plus, I'm the soprano, so I have to use the pitch pipe, use the bells, and call the songs and blow the pitches. You have, how long have you been doing that? I've been, you with this, do? I've been with this company for 16 years. Wow. What's yeah. the company? Why don't, let's have a plug. The Voices of Christmas. Oh, The Voices of Christmas. Yes. I see. And, I thought um, that was maybe your own caroling, your little <laughs> quartet group. No. 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 Okay. So uh, there's 70 singers wow. in the company. Mm -hmm. And I'm a soprano, and there's always an alto, a tenor, and a bass, and we switch around. So some days you'll walk in, and you're singing with three other people you've never sung with yeah, before. Yeah, sure, sure. But you just know your role, and you yeah. get up there and do it. Yeah. And um, it's amazing how it will just have this synergy sometimes with these three other singers. Isn't it great? Yeah. It is. I know. I, I, I miss that kind of singing, although it's hard on my voice. I, that, I mean. Oh, well, the restaurant. I mean, I, I say this to people all the time. When you do a show, somebody does a scene, somebody else comes out and does a dance That's number, it. blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And then you go out and do your thing mm -hmm. and you're gone again. Yeah, have a steak. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> have a steak. Have a smoke. Um, but, you know, with caroling, it's literally, especially at the restaurants, you're table to table to table. Yeah. And what I love is I'll be at, like, table A, and mm, do you sing A Holy Night? Can you do that? And I'll be uh, like, uh-huh. Uh -huh. I sing it, and then the next person wasn't really listening. Right. So they'll be like, do you do A Holy Night? Uh-huh. <sighs> and, I mean, literally, there's there's days where I sing it ten times in one room. Yeah. 
And I'm like, oh my gosh, they don't listen. Yeah, They're yeah, not yeah. listening. No, of course. But we don't care. Yeah, I mean, it's you like know. mariachis. Yeah, it's only the table to table. <laughs> exactly. Nobody cares about anything and unless they're doing it to them. And you're all singing mucho the whole night. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. <laughs> well, I mean, it sounds like you piece together uh, a career like I do. I mean, I, you know, I have like five or six gigs throughout the year. Oh, yeah. Always. Oh, gosh. Yeah. I, five or six would be nice. I'm like jack of all trades yeah. master of none you know um i started off I, I grew up here yeah and i started off being backstage watching my dad let's talk stage. yeah let's talk about your family i know that that's uh, that's uh uh really interesting i mean your grandmother is Catherine was Catherine grace is that right Grayson. i mean she was in tons and tons of stuff yeah so she starred in kiss me kate mm -hmm. showboat yeah right Anchors that's Away. what my mom said she said, oh she was in showboat i loved her in showboat yeah and uh, and that was my mom's mom. And then my mom's dad was a man named Johnny Johnston, mm -hmm. uh, who was a Broadway star and a recording artist and led bands kind of like a Desi Arnaz. Yeah. He, he lived in uh, Puerto Rico for a time and led like the Johnny Johnston Orchestra. You're kidding. Yeah. I mean, it's amazing. Was that the beginning of show business for your family or does it go back even farther? Than that? My, my grandmother had an aunt that was an opera singer. Everyone in my grandmother's, she had um, a sister and two brothers. Yeah. They were all raised on classical music and they all sang. And where did they come from? Where did they emigrate they, from? They, they actually came from North Carolina originally. Oh. My my heritage dates back to like the Lees of Virginia. Right, like right. Pilgrim time. Okay. Um, on my on my mom's side. Right. And uh, so my grandmother came from this North Carolina, very Southern family. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, then they moved, her father was an architect, and they moved to uh, St. Louis, Missouri, mm -hmm. which is really funny because that's actually where my grandfather came from. They both met here in Hollywood. He actually said, I'm going to go to Hollywood and marry Catherine Grayson. And You're kidding. Are you serious? Come on. And he was married six times. She was his third wife. What? Yeah. I know. It's so crazy. So anyway, she wound up going to uh, St. Louis, and somebody from MGM found her Yeah. and said... Gosh, and at that time, Deanna Durbin had just saved Universal from going bankrupt. And so MGM was looking for the answer to Deanna Durbin. My grandmother was very similar. She was young. She had this little birdie soprano coloratura. Right, right. And so they uh, they signed her up, and her first movie was Andy Hardy's Private Secretary, and she was named Catherine in the movie, which they do very often for, like, young actresses. Yeah. Her, her real name, actually, yeah. was Zelma Elizabeth. Hedrick. Are you serious? And her mother's maiden name was Gray. And so she took the Gray from that. And I think her second middle name was Catherine. So she says, and so that she became Catherine Grayson. I mean, that's uh, that's right out of a movie, right? I mean, it just seems it's, like an archetypal. Yeah, yeah. Let's uh, what's a good name for this gal? Uh, Kathy, Kathy, Catherine. Catherine. Uh, I know. What and, else you got? Well, in Zelma, her I name mean, was crazy. Zelma Hedrick. I mean, so it, it really hideous. used to happen that way. They yeah. just, just change her. Yeah. They uh, oh, yeah. most of them. Everybody, yeah. Yeah. I mean, and it was always like this very kind of upper crust British yeah, sounding name. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So um and then my father's side. So so that that was my mom's mom, was Catherine yeah. Grayson, and, and then my mom's dad was Johnny Johnston. My yeah. my dad was born in New York in nineteen thirty six and um uh, was much older than my mom. Mm -hmm. And um he grew up um, you know, New York Jewish guy. And it spoke Yiddish in the home, the whole thing. Mm 
Um, but my grandmother on my dad's side was very spirited and was like, I'm not staying married to this dude and divorced his, her husband in 1948, which was kind yeah, of unheard of. Right. She actually had to go to a different state to file for divorce. She had to take up residency in Florida for six months to oh be able God. to file for divorce in 1948. And so then she moved. Well, you know, we, that's why we got to make America great again. So women can't divorce <laughs> their husbands so easily. <laughs> <laughs> right. So so she she moved my dad to Los Angeles in 1948 when he was 12 years old. And that was the year my mom was born. And what's crazy is my dad saw my grandmother and my grandfather performing together on stage when he moved to Los Angeles. What? Yeah. Amazing. Really? Yeah. And he saw my my grandmother pregnant, like with out to here with yeah. my mom in utero. And most people can't say that they saw their wife in utero. That you know, is it's crazy. Crazy. And then 20 years later, he married my mom. And it wasn't, he, he didn't know my grandmother. It's not like he stuck around and babysat for 20 years. <laughs> no, yeah. that, that would be a little creepy town. No. And so, wow. so the way that they met was my dad was the original Snoopy and your good man, Charlie Brown, at, in the company in Los Angeles at mm -hmm. the Ivar Theater for two and a half years with Gary Berghoff and Judy Kay played Lucy and all wow. this stuff. And her ex-boyfriend, who remained her friend after he came out of the closet, mm -hmm. was in the show with my dad. He played Linus. And so my mom used to go hang out with the cast. And that's how she met my dad. My dad's 12 You know, it's older. really weird. This is a totally off topic. But I just interviewed – the interview before you was Roger Bart, oh! who won a Tony – for Snoopy. He's out here right now, right? Yeah. 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 What funny? is he doing? Is he doing Maryland? We, no, we just did uh, Wonderful Town. Oh, Wonderful Town. That's right. You guys were in that together. Which was and I'm so sad I missed it. Jennifer yeah. Jennifer wrote yeah, me. She's yeah, like, Jennifer I have Wallace, a pass yeah. for you. And I was like, dang it. I, you know, I'm a caroling fool I right know. now. So I know. This time of year is really well, tough. And I everybody. just spent all my money on Christmas for yeah. my children. No, so. I know. So anyway, that's yeah. how my parents met. Um, I grew up you know, the the granddaughter of, of Catherine Grayson, but also the daughter of this character actor who worked constantly. I mean, that's how I was raised was um, he was the he was Captain Crook on the McDonald's commercials mm -hmm. for 17 years. He was contracted like 12 national commercials a year. Oh, my God. I know. Um, wow. He was he was Woodsy the Owl. He did all these like kind of iconic 70s and 80s cartoon characters. Mm -hmm. Um, and he was a voiceover guy and also a voiceover agent for a time. So I, I grew up backstage at his shows, but also they used to do at the Variety Arts Center downtown, they would do live radio shows. Mm -hmm. So, you know, with the whole like Foley sure. artists and the sure. whole thing. And my dad started in radio. He started in radio before there was television. He started acting at five years old in, New York. in radio in New York. Wow. And so he's always gone back to those radio roots uh -huh. and uh was he in music at all or just acting and you know i mean he's done a ton of musical theater mm -hmm. but he's definitely more like character actor who sings not a musician who mm -mm. yeah got it mm -hmm. no mm -hmm. doesn't really read music uh -huh. very uh -huh. much very much a, a vaudevillian kind of performer sure. guy sure but the man is 80 years old and he's still doing bell kicks so that it's kind of crazy really and he's he's incredible on stage so i grew up with that as my influence and um so you always knew you were going to be in theater of some, i don't of think i knew i think it just always happened because um yeah i, was I in understand a, i was yeah. in a performing group uh called kids of the century which is now kids of rock theater they've been around for like 40 years mm -hmm. did that as a child um, went to Hollywood High Performing Arts. Mm -hmm. Always performed. Mm -hmm. I performed for the um, the dedication of the the rededication of the Statue of Liberty when they did that in the eighties. Mm -hmm. um, I performed at Lincoln Center. I had no idea 
Like no, how awesome that was, sure. you know, that's like my first Broadway credit was 12 years old performing at Lincoln Center. Sure. Um, so I, you know, I, I worked my butt off as a, as a young person and as a teen. And then one day I was kind of like, and I had a very tumultuous, uh, childhood and, and what do you mean? Hard, hard, hard situation. My mom walked out on our family when I was 15, just got up one day and left. Really? Yeah. What was that about? Um, did she meet somebody else? You know, I think, well, no, she was a very, um, sad person because she grew up in this household with her mother being a movie star Mm -hmm. and, uh, she she felt overlooked or I don't, I can't, I can't explain what happened. Mm -hmm. All I know is that everyone who ever knew my mother in her younger life and later said that she was always very sad. Um, and I think there was an overshadowing. Um, I also think she was very talented and very beautiful Mm -hmm. and she saw the studio system kind of build my grandmother. But by the time my mom was old enough, see they they were really functioned as a star maker for your grandmother. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she was 15. Right. So she never knew adult life without the studio system. Right. Um, But by the time my mom was 20 years old, it was the late sixties. There Mm -hmm. was no more studio system. Right. Um, And my dad tried to like get her auditions and stuff because she was talented and beautiful, had a beautiful voice. And uh, and she actually booked Sound of Music at the Music Center starring um, Anna Maria Alberghetti. Mm-hmm. And she was going to understudy her. Mm-hmm. And my mom was like, I don't understudy. Yeah. So um, so she just kind of like she Imploded never she bit. never did the ju- she never did the work. Yeah. That, like like, for example, I, you know, my first national tour, I've done seven national tours and my first national tour. I was um, the understudy for the lead. Right. And she was like, I can't believe you take an understudy gig. And I was like, but I'm working. You're working, yeah. I'm going on a national tour. I've always been much more like my father. Like, I'm a worker bee. I work. Mm-hmm. I, I, don't, I don't understand people that. But, you know, then again, here I am 25 years after graduating high school. And I'm still, you know, hustling. plugging away. Hustling. Yeah. So what's the, yeah, let's talk about that. So, um, you know, I grew up here and I went to Hollywood High. I mean, did you, I guess, did you have expectations? But I mean, I guess my question is watching your mom not work. I think it made me, I think watching my dad, how hard he yeah, worked. Yeah. And I More think. More than your mom not working. It was really yeah, your dad setting an well, example. And yeah. I had two, two very clear examples of one who is fulfilled and one who is so unfulfilled and angry and took it out on her family. Was she a violent person? Yes. She was. Physically and violent. All always. Alcoholic. Not an alcoholic. No, wow, just, just real just straight up anger. Straight up anger. Wow. And um and I mean really abusive wow. verbally and in, in all ways. Do you resent your dad at all for not uh My dad finally left a couple of years ago. They were married for almost half a century. Wow. And um I mean but like she walked out when I was a teenager and, and they didn't come back. Married? They remain married all those years, and he he regrets a lot of things, and he has definitely tried to make amends now in his later life because sure. he also was abused. Uh, so so it, fit, it was a perfect fit in some ways. Yeah, well, you know that's what. Yeah, of course. Yeah, it's that it's that codependency. Yeah. On, upon it, he was and, comfortable with that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, very. It was very hard for him. But no, I'm not saying that he like, skipped around joyous about it. But no. you know, obviously, there's some subconscious thing that that makes keeps it... you keeps you there. Sure. Um, and it also, I think, 
in the end, it actually saved me to watch him go through that because I was engaged to someone very similar to my mom before I married my husband. Really? And um, I'm so grateful that I had the life lessons that I learned because I something very serious happened that um, that stopped me dead in my tracks. Between you and your ex. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, he was very physically abusive. Mm-hmm. And so I... I had to really take stock and go, why am I letting this happen? Mm-hmm. And I looked at my dad's situation. I looked at my childhood and I was like, this is why. Did you talk to anybody about it at the time? At the, mean, did you talk to your dad about it? No, because my dad was back with my mom uh-huh. and he was so involved in that. Yeah. Um, you know, Hollywood, there was no precedent when my mother was a child of what a child's upbringing should be with a star parent right now we know now there's years and years of of cautionary tales well and lots of generations now Mm -hmm. but um at my grandmother's time i mean she was that was the golden era so they're Mm -hmm. really like there were like the talkies you know i mean mean, it had something to do not only with hollywood but with women working and making a ton of money well yes i mean those are that's another thing that people weren't really used to or knew, knew how Abs- to handle. Absolutely. And my grandmother was married at 18 to another man mm-hmm. who was in the military and they got divorced immediately. And then it was like right away she married my grandfather because right. it was that's what you're supposed to do right. when you're an adult is sure. be married. Um, and then she was going to marry Howard Hughes. She was engaged to Howard Hughes at one point. What? And yeah. And my cousin passed away and something woke her up and she was like, I can't marry him. He's crazy. Um, but you know, and there were higher ups at MGM that wanted to marry her who some of them did not like my grandfather. So they Mm -hmm. cut his contract when they found out that the two of them were together because they wanted to be with my grandmother. She was gorgeous. Wow. Yeah. Well, that hasn't changed. No, not at all. (laughs) Not at all. But I think all of that combined was very difficult on my mom, Uh um, to grow up being an only child in mm-hmm. this huge 20 room house. Mm-hmm. There were servants. And then, you know, my grandmother would be on set 17, 18 hours a day. Sure. Um, my mom would be with her sometimes and sometimes not. She went to boarding school sometimes. Um, and it was, I think she just, she just had severe, severe issues. Mm-hmm. Um, and everyone knew the hardest thing now is I'll meet people in my adult life who will be like, I am so sorry. I knew what you were going through as a child and I didn't do anything about it. And I'm like, why are you telling me this right now? Yeah. Like, that's angering to to have friends and family, you know, people that were older than me, my yeah. parents' friends and, and their sisters and brothers and blah, blah, that have said, I should have done something. Now, is this done. where you get the, the attitude that you have? I mean, the way that I know you, I, I don't know you very well. I mean, we, we've work together and yeah. you know my wife and yeah you know i follow you on facebook and you're so outspoken and you seem like uh you have a real streak of advocacy is that is that where that comes from um, because you could have reacted totally differently i'll tell you where i think it comes from um my father is jewish he was raised in new york like i said um he's half russian half polish mm-hmm. um my my family's names are on the wall at uh, ellis island mm-hmm. and you know, I have a very mixed background coming from Catherine Grayson, white woman from the South, mm-hmm. grew up on a plantation that had slave quarters, mm-hmm. and then my dad. Mm-hmm. Um, my father raised me 
talking to me about what was still going on in the South in the 80s and 90s. Um, he was a member of Southern Poverty Law Center mm-hmm. and would donate money to them and get their bi-monthly newsletters. And I remember that was one of the ways I bonded with my father was about social justice mm-hmm. early on. Um, he would show me pictures of lynchings happening in the Deep South when I was in high school in the 90s. Mm-hmm. And I was flabbergasted that know, that, right? that could still be happening. Sure. Um, and then, you know, I was a stupid teenager and, and didn't have a mom and, you know, boys were everything. And then I went to Gosh, New York. when you were 15? Yeah. Boy, that's a tough. It is a tough time. A tough so I filled, yeah. I filled those voids, let me tell you, with boys yeah. and alcohol. And, you sowed your, your oats. Oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm. And then I moved to New York when I was 19 by myself, mm-hmm. started school there. And, you know, was engaged to be married to someone or immediately. I mean, it was all it was always about men. And, like, f- and filling a hole. Filling a hole. Filling a void. Sure. Um, I've always had really difficult relationships with women since mm. then. Friends, I don't trust women. Yeah, you know, that all makes of, sense. of sure. course. Um, and I remained in relationship with my mom because it was easier than trying to function with zero communication with her. Why is that? Um, I think just because the whole thing had already been so unhealthy to begin with. Well, I mean, do you see her for family functions? Do I do see... not anymore. So I guess... Yeah, the reason I, I mean, I have a very similar, not a similar situation. I was never abused, or I'm, I'm but my father uh, left when, I mean, he kicked us out, literally kicked wow. us out when I was like four. <gasps> and so my relationship with him isn't, isn't based on any kind of like danger or anything. But I, I, I keep him at arm's length, even though he has tried to reach out, especially recently. So I'm, I'm just curious how you, just for my own sake, like how do you negotiate it's that? A, it's how do you decide daily, what your relationship is with your parent? It's a daily struggle for me yeah. because my mother's not in good health. She's, you know, almost 70 years old now and... Um, Hasn't taken care of herself? No. When my dad decided to leave her mm-hmm. uh, after 45 years of marriage, uh, he just had enough of the abuse. Was she, she abusive to him as well? their whole marriage wow verbally call him all kinds of you know just wow. really bad stuff and so emasculating i mean that's hard to live with oh it was so yeah, bad sure. and so when when he finally left she called me and blamed me for him leaving their for marriage turning her, him against her uh-huh. yes and i had not sure. and if he was going to leave her because of me it would have been 20 years prior mm-hmm. you know um so i just real and i tried to stay uh, able to support her through it because it was devastating to her and I was trying to and my uh, my father actually lives in my guest house at my house mm-hmm. um so I was trying to just kind right of now like, he still does yes uh-huh, I see I was trying to just kind of keep it you know but she was so abusive to me mm-hmm. in the interim that I finally had to go you know what I I can't do this anymore like it's not healthy for me and my relationship with my children right for them to have to to hear it or see it right um the last time we were around her, she said some awful thing to my daughter. What? Yeah. Like what? What did she say? Something remember? about her teeth or the way she looked or something. And oh. I and I just thought, you know, we I don't have. Need this. Yeah. Well, I have three daughters. Um, mm-hmm. they're now twelve, eleven, and nine, and mm-hmm. they're in a very impressionable age mm-hmm. where keeping. Yeah, just one or two things that somebody can say. Is, oh yeah. So and like. The rest of your life, you're thinking about that. Because I'm a woman, and because I'm in this business. As soon as I knew I was having girls, I made a pledge to myself, my husband, the world, that I would not 
ever talk about their weight, pit them against each other. Mm-hmm. You know, I would talk about health and mm-hmm. I would make it, let's eat healthy things and let's, let's enjoy cooking together. Yeah, sure. yeah, absolutely. We take steps. We all wear Fitbits. It's mm-hmm. fun. Mm-hmm. But I never s- compare them, compare their talent level or anything because it was done to me. Mm-hmm. My grandmother did it to me about my mom. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she'd say things like, you know, your mom could really sing. And like hanging Chad, yeah. hanging at the yeah, end of yeah, that, yeah. you know. Um, and what I would shame. be like. She's wasted her life as the rest of that. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Oh, exactly. And I'd be like, well, but she's not doing anything, is she? Yeah. And I won Musical Theater Star of the Year. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. you know, I, I like it, it was just it was damaging. And so I made a pledge that I wasn't going to do that to my daughters because that's all you can do. I feel that if you come from abuse or neglect or abandonment, as we both have, Mm -hmm. you can do two things. You can take that path Mm -hmm. because it's what you know, or you can Mm -hmm. 180 that. Sure. And so I decided to 180 it in every aspect possible. I find that you have to work on it every day, though. You do. I I would love to just think that I could just make a U-turn and... You know, but I, I find myself being short and, and my temper goes and I know where I get it. And sure. I work on it every day. But see, that, but it's like any of those kind of 12-step programs or anything mm-hmm. where you, you, you have to acknowledge to begin with that something's been done to you or that you've, you have these things that are a part of you. Sure. And then it's like, okay, what am I going to do with this? Sure. Um, I, because of my bossiness... I'm sorry. That's I've got okay. to. I've got to see what's going on. That's all right. No worries. <sighs> are you guys? Are you guys done? Or are you having more children? No, no, no. We're done. I mean, look at me. I'm uh, 80 years old. No, I'm you're kidding. not 80. I mean, it's crazy. No, it's, it's not. killing me. No. <laughs> I was old. I mean, I was 40 when we got married. Wow. So. Yeah. You know. But that's so typical in Los Angeles. Well, like I said, it has to do with my dad. I never wanted to be. I know. You know, what's really funny is I, I never wanted to be my dad and be young and divorced, but I effectively did exactly what my dad did. I just never got married. Mm. I did the same thing to women. That did you? Did. Yeah. And then finally, when I I got to a certain age, like I said, I was must have been around, I was in my late 30s. I was with Amy. I, I thought, gosh, you know, I've always wanted to have kids and I, I've always wanted to be married. I've never behaved in a way that supports those ideas. So I need to grow up. Like, mm-hmm. what, what am I doing? Well, and that's kind of amazing you know. because I know so many men who are much older than that mm. who never get it. Mm-hmm. They never get the growing up thing. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, again, you took what you knew about your yeah, your circumstances that were beyond your control and yeah. then you decided to control what you could. That's it. Yeah. yeah. And that's and that's exactly what I've tried to do. I you know, I have these three daughters. I mean, do you have impulses with your kids when, when the screws are on tight and you, um, you feel like blowing? Yeah. I yeah. mean, there's some cussing that happens occasionally. Yeah, yeah. Like some F-bombs will be dropped. And yeah. that is, I reserve those for, Special you know, occasions. Yeah. I mean, uh-huh. my it's especially when one will do something really crappy to the other mm-hmm. one, like nail dig mm-hmm. or whatever. Right. Um, it, the balance is that my husband is literally a saint. And so... What does he do? Is he in entertainment? Yeah, well... Sort of. Okay. He is, uh, he was a music major uh-huh. and plays 17 instruments proficiently. Wow. So he's a music educator. And after teaching a band and orchestra for 13 years at a private school, he got hired to be the program director for a non-for-profit here in LA that mm-hmm. goes to 40 different schools and brings music full-time. Oh my gosh. 
and he's the he, he's the program director. So he well, can trains, you name the can you name the company? Yeah, it's Education Through Music Los Angeles. Wow. Okay. And it's a great company. They began in New York, and this is the LA office. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've actually been able to help certain friends get hired and stuff like that. Sure. And it's a great program. It's part of the curriculum. It's not like after school. Can you stay late? Yeah. Here's a recorder. It's full-time music in the school and they come once a month or what once a no week, i or... i think it's a daily it's oh a daily gosh. program really yeah some of the schools i think it's like three days a week but there's wow. other schools that are five days a week that's a, it's a big organization it's awesome that's amazing and they you know they're they have huge budget now they've grown a lot i mean a couple years ago uh they they have these huge galas every year mm-hmm. and the john williams mm-hmm. was the guest of honor and my husband got to uh, got to conduct Amistad for John what? Williams. Yeah. It was such an awesome event. And they had these this children's choir that sang. And, and John Williams was sitting in the front row. And there's my husband conducting. And I was like, we did it. that's awesome. <laughs> that's awesome. You know, he's making not a lot of money doing non-for-profit. But, but it doesn't matter. Work. It's important work. Yeah. And he's taking all of the passions that he has. And, and he makes a living doing it. Yeah. It's two master's degrees in educational leadership and a bachelor's in music we actually met um so after my breakup with my ex-fiance who was very abusive and i was this was right around 9 11. Mm -hmm. uh, i started going to a church with a friend i'd Mm -hmm. never gone to church in my life Mm -hmm. got the fever because you didn't grow up in a religious household my father's jewish and my mother's whatever you know hollywood my Mm -hmm. mother's hollywood Mm -hmm. and so i didn't um really i was exposed to a lot i was more exposed actually to judaism Mm -hmm. because um we didn't have it in our house at all. My dad had kind of renounced his Judaism. Mm-hmm. Um, but I grew up in Encino, Woodland Hills area. Mm-hmm. So all my friends were bought in bar mitzvah and 90% of them were Jewish. Sure. So um, I was more familiar with those customs. Mm-hmm. Uh, although we always had a Christmas tree and we would talk about God, but it was never like a thing and this is what we concretely believe. We never went to church. Yeah. So I didn't uh, either. I grew up in an atheist household. So it was a little bit less than you but okay yeah okay so then i started going to church in my late in my Mm mid-20s um because of my breakup my Mm -hmm. friend dragged me you just needed some i needed something and immediately i kind of like got latched into the christian thing Mm -hmm. until i realized that i was also expected to be a republican Mm -hmm. and be anti-gay and yeah sure and so what happened was I met my husband at this church. We got married. Oh, was he a religious? Was he in? Like, was he like in it to win it? Back Much then? more than I was. Wow, okay. Yeah, he had actually become a Christian through Campus Crusade for Christ when he was 18. Wait, how do I know that? Did they come to high schools and do weird? They might have come to high schools too. And they're on university campuses all over the place. Okay. Yeah. And so he had been a Christian for a while. Yeah. And I just become a Christian and we... You know, met and I really liked him and we'd actually had some kind of common thread through the business a little bit uh-huh. and so we became friends at first I was on a national tour um, of VeggieTales Live which is how my back broke in half <laughs> and uh, L- you broke your back well my my disc exploded Seriously? in my back yeah wow. I was wearing a costume that was created by Michael Curry who created all the costumes for Lion King okay and uh, I was doing a show in Denver. And if you've ever worked in Denver, it's the Mile High City. Right. They have oxygen tanks right. off stage, right, stage left. And 
I guess I was working harder than I normally was. And my costume, which they they estimated probably weighed about 50 pounds on my 90-pound body. Right. Um, I was doing choreography, and I felt this tug in my back. And I remember thinking on stage, in the middle of choreography, yeah. big dance number, I was like, huh. yeah, something's not That's right weird. with that. And two days later, I couldn't feel my leg. Like, I would put my hand on my leg, and it was completely what? numb. And um, they took me out of the show, took me to a chiropractor without oh an God. MRI. Oh, no. Chiropractor adjusted me and probably made the most damage of yeah, any of other. Of course. Other. Sure. And the next city we were in, which was St. Louis, Missouri, they did a uh, – oh, no, sorry. It was Kansas, Kansas City. They, they did an MRI, and they were like, oh, look at that. That's matter from your back in your feet. And they sent me home, and I was working for Clear Channel Entertainment. Clear Channel is the devil. Wow. And they uh, they sent me a, a letter a month later saying, "Well, you were seasonal and you were seasonal employee, so we don't owe you any money. So have a nice life." So I spent six years fighting them. Finally, got all my back pay, everything. You really did. I did, but it took six years because it was a workers' comp case. What a nightmare! It was a nightmare, and it happened in another state yeah, while right. I was on tour, while I live in California. Right. California is the worst state to live in for workers' comp huh. uh, because there's so much fraud sure. happening here. And sure. so, and here I am with this MRI that's like, I could not walk again. And wow. I had to fight so hard. Wow. But Clear Channels, you know, it's a huge company. Yeah, sure. So anyway, that that all happened around the time I met my husband. Oh, I see. And um, I got sent Wait, home. so so you had broke basically broken your back and broken up with this ex that was uh the ex happened first the tour happened after the ex and then you met i met my husband before i went on tour i see so, but uh -huh. we were just friends and we had become <clears throat> friends while i was on tour and I, we would write and email and um and i really liked him this was mm -hmm. before the days of facebook and stuff sure so it was like email here email there and then I got a cell phone where I could like talk long distance. You know, yeah. this was like 14 years yeah, ago, 15 yeah, yeah. years ago. So sure. it was like the, the technology. Whoa. And and I really liked this person and he was decent and he didn't want to just have sex with me and dump me. And yeah. I didn't know what that was. Yeah. And it was really attractive. Yeah. And I really liked oh, him. It was a matter of him. timing too, you know. Oh, like, yeah. It yeah. was all of it. Sure. And I realized like. There are things about Christianity that are, that are amazing. The, the family values that it preaches, mm -hmm. like, you know, save yourself for the person you're going to marry and don't spoil yourself for the world is kind of a nice thing because I did not do that. Mm -hmm. And my husband did. Mm -hmm. he, was, he was waiting to find the right person. Mm -hmm. and, um, and there was something really no, lovely did, about well, did that. Did that make you feel less than, though? Was no, no, because I understood his reasoning behind uh -huh. it, and he understood what absolutely. You had gone he didn't yeah. judge me, okay. which was amazing. Yeah. Um, and so, because it's, I certainly didn't wait. Well, I mean, you could. It's easy to have a chip on your shoulder about it too, if you. No, he like for me, you know, if you meet somebody that you consider to be better than you are, somehow it can stick with you somehow, and it yeah. seems like that hasn't been the case. Or, no, yeah. no, I mean, it was. He was very. He understood. You guys were on the same page. We were on the same page. And yeah. like he, you know, once he heard about my family situation, my mom and yeah, he sure. was oh, of course. like, of course. Yeah. So, and he doesn't have anything like that in his background? Yeah, actually he does. Uh-huh. His, his mother walked out on him at the same age. Really? She, I mean, she moved close by the dad, his dad. 
And well, she was still very more common for the mom to leave the it family. It isn't. So I and have to find two people that I share know. that. It's crazy. And at the same age, we were both 15 when yeah. this happened. Wow. He he didn't go looking for love in all the wrong places. He withdrew and was a very depressed teenager hmm. um, where I what became more gregarious and uh-huh. more outlandish my behavior. Uh-huh. Um, That's why he plays 17 instruments. Exactly. (laughs) Trumpet is his main Uh instrument, um, and he got that from his grandfather and stuff. So the great thing is that he is very normal Mm -hmm. um, and very balanced, and his whole life's work is about, like, bringing the arts to children. So he's a really, like, kind of saintly human being who married this very unsaintly person. But the balance of that, I think, has been great for both of us. Yeah, and your kids, I I bet. Yeah, Yeah. and – you know, we were both very involved in the church at first. And yeah, yeah, yeah. We let's, moved, let's, yeah. yeah. Yeah, let's get to that. We moved to West L.A. Um, From where? Well, he was living in the Valley. Mm-hmm. I had an apartment in the Valley, actually, with Carla Jimenez, oh, with my yeah, roommate. you're kidding. She still lives in that apartment. Oh, I've been to that apartment. Yeah. Sure. That, that apartment has been, we have both had that apartment for 20 years. That's crazy. I know, it's crazy. I, I moved, never knew that. I moved back from New York in 1996, and that I got that apartment and I've had different roommates through the years, a boyfriend that lived with me for four years, yeah. blah, blah, blah. And she still lives in that. Yeah. Apartment. You know, she's been on the show. I know. <laughs> I know. Cause I think she had just been on the show when we did our show. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So yeah. And she and I did a national tour together. Right. We did the Mikado. We were the two leading women and that's, I've known her for 20 years now or 18 years. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, and my dad and I started that together. My dad was uh, Coco and I was Yum Yum. What's it like working with your dad? Amazing. It, it was? Yeah, we've done like five or six shows together. I did the Fantastics with him. A couple of years ago, we did the L.A. premiere of Tarzan, the, the Disney musical. Uh-huh. It had never been done here. And we did it at the El Portel. And I was Jane and he was my father. You're kidding. And he was the first time he'd ever played my father. Was that so- that must have been really special. It's so huh? special. Yeah. It's always special when you, you know, work with your idol. Yeah. And the person that, you know, he was he was my everything. Yeah. Um so what I was gonna say is that my husband and I got married and I, because of my back injury and my newfound Jesus relationship, yeah. I was like, I'm done with this theater stuff. I'm I I won't ever be able yeah. to dance again. Yeah. Um, and I'm done. My heart is done. Because yeah. even though I was, you know, twenty nine when we got married. I, I had lived my whole life in this business. Mm-hmm. So I did commercials as a child. My dad used to be an agent. I mean, I was always surrounded by the same kinds of people. And I mean, were, was it was being born against, did it kind of open your eyes into like the Sodom and Gomorrah uh, image of Hollywood? That, it didn't need to. I had already I see. Okay. done it all myself. And also, no, it was more that I really wanted to focus on what it was like to be a real person for the first time in my life mm-hmm. at almost 30 years old. Okay. Um, we got married and pregnant within the same month. So like literally honeymoon baby. Um, and so it was like, and then I, you know, I had three daughters back to back all 17 months apart. Mm -hmm. So one day I woke up and I had, you know, a three year old, a 17 month old and a newborn, all girls. And I'm like, holy crap, what is happening? And about a year and a half after my last daughter was born, I said to my husband, you know what? I need to get on stage again mm-hmm. because I miss my people. Mm-hmm. Were what you I, still in the church? Yes. Uh-huh. Well, what had happened was my husband was actually hired to be um, the worship director of a church. Mm-hmm. And so what happened was 
he was basically a pastor at this church and I was by default a pastor's wife. Mm -hmm. And I was like, that was um, the last straw. Well, but I was like, I don't even know how to talk to these other women because if I say anything that I would normally say to anyone else, he's going to get fired because I will drop F-bombs. Uh, yeah. I am not, you know. Shy about what you think. Yeah. And at that point, I was really trying to like live as cleanly as possible, whatever, yeah. as far as like my language and stuff. So you really went 180 degrees the other 180. way. 180. Really but trying I, but to... I never did in my heart. That was the thing. I would get in fights at these Bible studies about <laughs> the gay stuff. Yeah. I would be like, how many gay people do you actually know? Yeah. And they wouldn't know any. Yeah. They just assumed. Well, they did. Right. Well, <laughs> but they didn't have like yeah. conversations or relationships and they'd just be like, it's all sin. And it's, uh, of course, they believe that that's who they are. Of yeah. course. We need to have pity on them. Try to save them. And yeah. so I finally <laughs> started doing theater again in 2009. Yeah. And immediately I was directing, I was acting, I was starring in shows and people were like, where have you been? And the thing is, is before that, I really didn't work in LA very much. I was, I did seven national tours back to back and I worked on a cruise ship for three years. So I was never really established here. Yeah. It took those seven years of not being involved for me to uh, understand. To be the ingenue. Yeah. Right. right. Sure. For, right. Yeah. It took, it took those seven years for me to go, oh, oh, I, I really need to kind of go back to this and start from scratch. Yeah. So I did. And immediately I was reconnected with some old friends and, um, and I was kind of like, oh, I've been lying to myself. Well, and you also, I'm sure, had a different perspective when you came back to it. You were looking at at it through different glasses at that Absolutely. point. Absolutely. Yeah, and I wasn't, that, has a, that counts a lot. And I also wasn't like, I'm going to go be a Broadway star right now. That was not, it was more, I want to do what I train to do right. and what I love. For your heart. For my soul. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I started doing non-union theater and da-da-da. Mm -hmm. I wasn't. Just to work, to do I, it. Yeah, I wasn't worried about it. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden I started winning all these awards and getting garnering a lot of attention. And like I there was one year I, I started in 10 shows back to back mm -hmm. all throughout Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. And um, I was really getting a lot of like offers and and Michael Sterling was like, we need to create your solo show, mm -hmm. which I've now done like 20 different times in different states. And and I right after my grandmother died, he was like, you have a great story to tell. Yeah. But what I wound up doing, because I think I was a little scared of my story, was I made this show more like, let's do a tribute to my grandmother. Mm -hmm. And I never really told like what we've been talking about. Yeah. I never really kind of talked about like the abuse and the stuff that I went through because I didn't know how to be me on stage. That's and, a hard thing to do. Yeah, I mean that's hard to put it to music too. I mean, what do you? Right. How do you? How do you do that? That's more of like a Henry Rollins spoken word type. It is slam and poetry thing. I mean, how I do you might present be able that? to do it now or later because I've done this first thing. I will tell you this: I realized doing the show that I love playing someone else. Right. But when it has to be Kristen standing up there for an hour, mm -hmm. I am so uncomfortable. Yeah, I mean that's. I think that's true for most people. I I know that there's a big difference for me when I have to do a Christmas concert or a recital where I'm wearing a tuxedo versus, you Playing know, makeup and and you know yeah. tights and yeah. I love the easier. tights and makeup. Yeah, I'm like, bring it on. I don't want to be me up here. Yeah, 
Yeah. Um, and that's something that I don't think until you've done enough concert work um, that you can even know. Is that your next challenge? It sounds like you're kind of throwing the gauntlet down on yourself. About, like that, that might be one of the things that you want to accomplish is standing yeah. up there and talking about yourself. Well, yes. Getting it out. And, you know, I'm, I'm a director too. Um, so I'm trying to continue growing in that aspect. Mm -hmm. um, I, I just joined a theater company. I auditioned and got into Theater West. Auditioned Great. with my father. Oh, how nice. Which is the oldest theater company in Los Angeles. And what's wonderful about being a member there That's is... That's music, Musical Theater West? Is that no, what it's called? No, Musical Theater West is, a, is like the a full for-profit production company oh, in Long, Long Beach. And, oh, okay. Yeah. This Theater West is a theater company. They yeah. also put up shows. Okay. Um, but it's a theater company where you, you know, volunteer time, you pay dues to be a part of it. Hmm. And in turn, you get to um, you get to uh, do workshops of there's like cold reading workshops, writers workshops, musical theater workshops. So you pay this one small fee per month, but you get to do all this. So it's like UCB. Training. It's like uh, it's like uh, improv training. That, that's kind, it, those kinds of is. schools, like upright citizens. Well, brigade. it is, but then there's so much more to it. You're you're also a member of this community where a director will call you and say, "This writer, I'm I'm this writer just wrote a piece. I need this act kind of actor. I need your age. I mm -hmm. need your type. And mm -hmm. this is kind of cool. They have a the only." Equity Children's Theater Company in Los Angeles. Wow. And they cast out of the company. And I became a member like three weeks ago. And I auditioned last week mm -hmm. for their children's show, which is an equity contract. And it's from January to June. And I booked it. Wow. Yeah. So that leads me, of course, to the equity stuff. That's, but, like, that's a yeah. big uh, relief, isn't it? It, it? Well, it is. I mean, it's not a lot of money. But and still, I'm actually, uh, they had they had cast someone in the role that I'm doing who they've worked with a hundred times. And sure. I know her. She's a friend of mine. Sure. And so they asked me, they were like, we're going to guarantee you some performances. She books a ton of other work. So we're going to have you be her kind of alternate. Swing. And I was mm -hmm. like, awesome. Yeah. Because it's equity weeks when I go in and I need 11 to get my health insurance. Right. So I was like, perfect. Yeah, done for the and year. And I'm directing company, and this will allow me to do other stuff. So I have this job, but it, and I only have to go to one week of rehearsal toward yeah. the end of their process, and then I'm in three times, and and then I'm in when they need me. There's there's a lot more I want to cover. Um, that that's the thing. That's the problem with you. First of all, <laughs> <laughs> it's, I want to go back to the church. I want to go back to. Donald Trump. I want to go to. I mean, oh yeah. Well, they're, let me. Let, they're kind of connected. So, so in 2008, yeah. when Prop 8 was happening, yeah, uh, the California Supreme Court overturned Prop 8. Right. And that following Sunday, I was on stage singing, and there's a time of prayer after the first worship set. Oh, you were singing at church. Yeah, the... I was one of the because my husband was a worship director, which sure. is like you know the songs. Yeah. And I was the facilitator because I was told by the pastor's wife that even though I was leading worship, yeah. I can't be called a leader because I'm a woman. Really? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 2008. Okay. And so. So you already was, had a rock in your shoe with this whole thing. Oh, I was Just already right like, bat. I was already, you know, many, many toes out the door. Uh, yeah. And I remember the pastor saying, let's all bow our heads in prayer. And he said, Lord, we want to ask you to be on the hearts of the Supreme Court of California, and, and we hope that they will see their egregious error. And and I walked off the stage, and I never went back. Right there. 
right there. Damn it. See, that's the story I want to have. <laughs> Everybody wants to have that story where I you just, just drop I a mic. I couldn't be involved in it anymore. Yeah. I knew that it was not who I was and that while I love what Jesus said, and I think he changed the world clearly. Of course. Um, I don't, I'm kind of like how Gandhi is where he said, I love this Christ, but I just wish his followers Christians weren't get their like, shit together. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I, I walked away and my husband was still working there. And about six months later, he, they let him go. Really? He'll tell you it was for other reasons. I know it was, I well, mean, you can't he... have a pastor with children no, of course. without his wife there. Who's like peace bitches. And yeah, I yeah, really yeah. did. Yeah. I was, I was done. You let it be known that you, that there was... I was done. And so when you came home that night, how'd that go? Yeah, it was fun times. Uh, we had a lot of problems. Was yeah. he was he at first angry with you? What happened? Not angry. I think more disappointed. And now what? Yeah, I think there was a lot of now what. Uh -huh. um, you know, we we had a lot of struggle yeah. with it, um, and not just that. There was a lot of struggle with me going back into theater and me falling into some old habits and patterns in my life that um, could have could have been detrimental to my Staying marriage. Staying out late. Lots of things. Okay. And um, I've been through that. Yeah. Amy and I have been through that. Yeah. So I, I've had to grow a lot through that um, too because mm -hmm. theater's intoxicating. It is, and it wasn't just it wasn't just theater. It was people. It was yeah. also feeling like it was almost like I hadn't breathed in seven That's years. Right. And then you went overboard. Then I went way yeah, you overboard. You hyperventilated. Yeah. I hyperventilated, <laughs> and I. I started believing that these were my people again. Like I had been, you know, a nomad. Sure. And, you know, the thing is, is they are my people, but that's not necessarily a good thing all the time. That's right. You want they... to leave it at the office. Well, yeah. yeah. And so I, I I would have intimate friendships with men sure. that were confusing, um, you know, where I was like, I don't know. I don't know have what I I'm the doing. Right choice and yeah. What, what have yeah. I done? Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. But clearly... I made the right choice yeah. to be in a marriage with a grown-up because I am, kind of I am marriage, surrounded yeah. by non-grown-ups yeah. in what we do. Sure. Um, and so, yeah, it's been a it's been a struggle. And involved in that struggle were my political beliefs. Yeah. Because um, I'm sorry about my kids. I don't, I can't control them. Oh, honey, please! I have so many children. This, <laughs> this is what my life sounds like. This okay. Is, I don't even notice because right. I'm like, yep. It's yeah, it's killing it's me. It's another day of the week. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, I that was also a struggle for my husband. He comes from a military family. Uh huh. Um, one of the big kind of crunch moments in our marriage was his parents, his dad and stepmom, were basically trolling me on Facebook and watching what I was doing and posting and came into my house um, during one of my kids birthday parties punched their fist on my table and said what kind of a Christian woman thumbs up gay marriage on Facebook what and began to lambaste me for 45 minutes in front of my kids oh my god what a nightmare yeah and my husband said nothing so that was because you know he was raised in a military family where you didn't talk back to your dad sure um, and, and I was the like, church. but uh, right. And then, yeah. And then the whole like honor your this and that. So I, that was, that was the beginning of a lot of problems for us because I felt very alone sure. and like I had to defend myself. Abandoned. Yeah. Well, again, yeah, yeah. exactly. And, mm -hmm. and we wrote our own vows at our wedding because he knew what I had been through. And mm -hmm. one of his vows to me was, I will never let anyone abuse you again. 
And so when his father walked out of my house that day, I said, uh, P.S., you just failed miserably at that. Um, you know, we all have failed. And then I went on to fail even more miserably in many other ways. Mm-hmm. Um, we're still together. Yeah. Uh, 13 and a half years, three kids later. Yeah. Um, and uh, It's funny how you have an idealized version of what marriage and what life is in general when you're younger. And then when you're living it. Yep. In some ways, you in some ways, I've made concessions that I never thought I would make. But then in retrospect, at that time when I think, oh, my God, I'm really folding on my beliefs. You look back and you think, you know what? I'm just I'm just a grown up. And those are childish ways of thinking. Yeah. You have to get through tough times. Well, and coming from your background, like coming from my background, I mean, you do what you know. Yeah. Yeah, 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 exactly. And. Um, and that can be bad sometimes. And then sometimes you'll do what you know and you're like, oh, that was fucked up. Yeah. And then you have to go back and, you know, yeah. make amends for it. And so I've had to do that a lot in my adult life, being married. I've had yeah. to do it. And I have a very patient, forgiving husband. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And it, we've had, for 90% of our marriage has been great. And, uh, and having these daughters has been great. Sure. But I think... Um, when, when Obama won, it was really hard for my husband because he innately is very like social justice, mm-hmm. but was so entrenched in the church mm-hmm. and the whole, they made, you know, they've made it this one abortion issue. Mm-hmm. So when Obama won, I sat on our couch in the living room sobbing with joy mm-hmm. and my husband went in our bedroom and slammed the door. Really? So we, I felt like we were that because social justice is like everything to me, yeah. I felt so removed from this man I was married to. Yeah. And like, how are we going to make this work? Mm-hmm. Um, so it was a lot of problems. It was hard. Yeah. In is the- he still religious? Does he still go to well, church? Well, I don't really know what's going on with him huh. right now. Um, I know he, he, he lives his life like a Christian man would. Mm-hmm. He is kind. He is good. He is mm-hmm. decent to everyone. He voted for Hillary. Mm-hmm. He thinks Trump is the devil. Mm-hmm. Um, I think any reasonable person has to think that now. I mean, it's a, it's incredible know, how many I people mean, are still supporting him, even though he has lied to all the people that supported him. Well, what it's unbelievable. was I thought what was awesome was this this election period. My husband would post something anti-Trump or just kind of just something he said. Right. And the attacks, like literally, like literally, like here's him talking, right? And these people from our old church would just jump in and be like, "Hillary wants everyone to have free abortions," and he'd be like, "I did not say one word about About Hillary." Hillary. Yeah, let's talk about your guy. Yeah, let's just focus on facts here. Homie said this. Mm Mm-hmm. And I, and what was great about it was this time around, because we aren't going to church, that we haven't been to church in years. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're, we're not really practicing any of that. And so I think it was great because he got to see clearly this time without any cobwebs mm-hmm. how blatantly, like, homophobic, sexist, and ridiculous this argument is yeah, yeah, yeah. for this man. Yeah. How they could, how, I mean, when this whole pussy grabbing thing came out and there was no, the, the church 
was silent. I don't know how he. I, I can't believe we got past him making fun of that disabled reporter. That right, just right oh. there, it should have been like, oh well. Oh, and we then they're, they're like, that wasn't that guy. wasn't what he was doing. Oh, yes, it, of was. it was. They put side by side <clears throat> pictures. I've got to go tell them to be quiet. I can't okay. This whole thing's devolving right before my eyes. <laughs> <coughs> so, um, yeah, uh, I think I think this election actually made me have a better relationship with Ryan. Okay. In some ways, because uh, we were very united. Yeah, 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 yeah. Very united. I wore the white pantsuit. Yeah. Took a picture with my daughter. I have not, I have not shaken it. I I've, haven't either. No, no, no. I'm I've, hoping Monday there's going to be some kind of miracle. I don't know what's going to happen between now and then. You know, Obama's going to have a press conference today or tonight. He did, didn't he? Didn't he have? I don't know. Did he have it already? He had a press conference about yeah. the Russian hacking. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and say? I guess he was very nebulous about it. I had friends that posted. They were like, "Uh, can you fucking say something?" Yeah, please? let's shut it down. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, I mean. He's I mean, so what, tr what Trump has done is treasonous. Treasonous. I mean, in in a hundred years ago, he would have been shot. Right. Literally. Literally in the town square. Yeah, he would have been. Yeah, he would have just shot him. Like, yeah, like rocks would have yeah. been thrown at him. I yeah. know. I know. It's. I can't believe we're living in this. I don't. I can't either. But I will. I mean, say I understand that the Midwest needs a voice, and I get that they've been left behind. I don't agree. I don't agree with it. I think that progress happens. And if you're in a coal mining town and we go solar, there, you're, there's some other things you're going to have to learn how to do. Well, yeah. I mean, that's happened in many industries. Exactly. Exactly. We also don't have, you know, all the people that used to pick up horse shit went out of business, too. I mean, that's just. <laughs> I mean, yeah. So you learn a different skill. That's it. You that's learn it. a different skill. I also get annoyed with people from the Midwest saying that we live in bubbles out here in the cities. And I'm like, you know what? I can throw a rock and hit an Ethiopian restaurant, an Italian place, a Correct. Chinese place. Uh, you know, I mean, if, if who lives in a bubble? Right. Exactly. The people and who have this idealized version of what America used to be like with white picket fences and everybody's doors are open and they're exchanging pies all day long. Well, this, yeah. this thing that didn't exist to begin with. Well, it didn't exist. And <clears throat> by the way, that was bought and paid for on the backs of every colored person. That's right. In every America. Chinese person that came That's to build correct. railroads, every black man that so uh, broke never, their backs. Yeah. So, so yeah. I don't know what they're hearkening back to. Yeah, exactly. But as a woman and as a half Jewish woman, I'm yeah, like, things weren't so hot. No. And what was, I think, one of the most eye-opening moments of my life was I was in New York over uh, my, my birthdays in June. And my husband had a, a work thing. And we went We went to, I said, I want to go to Ellis Island. That's what I want for my birthday. Mm -hmm. We went to Ellis Island, and we went into the propaganda room. Oh, okay. And so it was basically you know, Life magazine covers and all this stuff from mm -hmm. the entire period mm -hmm. that Ellis Island was functioning. Mm -hmm. You might as well have just slapped the word Muslim on right, all exactly. the Jewish propaganda. Yeah, or, or Irish or, or Irish, Italian. Or, yes, or, sure, all of it. Of course. And you're, and you're like, oh my God, nothing's changed. Nope. This is literally the same shit. No, people still suck. But it's, but, uh, you, and you, and we who have progressed... You just think, God, how could you possibly be living in that exactly. world? But, but you know, they are. And unfortunately, and I hate to say this, but Christianity in this country, which has become cult-like yeah. and is not has zero to do with personal faith and everything to do with being part of the club. The policy, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, it has perpetuated these stereotypes. It has perpetuated this hate. And I've been... I know this for a fact because I've been involved in it. Right. 
I'm not an outsider that's like kind of watching. Right. I was in the room trying to be propagated to. I mean, they were telling me like, you ju- you just don't know. Or, you know, your, your time in the world set you up so that you'd be confused by God's word about gay people. Mm-hmm. And I'd be like, no, no I'm not confused. Mm-hmm. Like, I think your people are confused and you don't know anybody that's gay that you've actually had a conversation with. I know people who are like, I knew when I was five years old, my first memory is knowing I was different. Sure. You know, and... And to have z- no compassion for what someone else has been raised yeah. in. Yeah. I mean, it's so unchristlike. So unchristlike. Yeah. And these these good Christians that are at these Trump rallies during the election with their Trump that bitch. Yeah. You know. And I'm yeah. like, wow. Oh my God. I don't think Jesus would have said that. Jesus would say nothing. They'd lock Jesus up if he were to show up these days. Oh yeah, and he'd the be way a that radical. He he'd well, be a- he'd, he's a poor. He's a poor dude. That walked around in sandals. A poor Middle Eastern yeah, dude. Exactly. He yeah, looked like in everyone trouble. in Syria that we've just ignored. Yeah. And that whole thing, I, I mean, yeah, I, people don't understand that the that there are so many reasons for Trump not wanting to support Russia. I mean, first of all, we've got a, an an adversarial superpower controlling our election and somehow that has not created a riot in the streets like right off the top right i don't know how that's happened right and then secondly the whole thing with syria the reason that there are all these refugees is because putin is propping up assad who's bombing his own people they're all coming over because they're being killed i know and they're trying to make it that it's these the terrorists, yeah, terrorists coming in. Yeah. There's no way. Yeah, it's unbelievable. Well, and I was I watched this thing on it this morning where they were showing how these these certain citizens have only had a, a Twitter account for a month, and they've got thousands of followers, mm-hmm. and they're they're a verified check mark, mm-hmm. and it's like there's no way in a month you mm-hmm. could be a verified check mark on mm-hmm. Twitter mm-hmm. if if what you're saying is actually true. Mm-hmm. So I I mean, and we are being so put in the middle of all of this propaganda. Yeah. I mean, it's like that movie Wag the Dog. Yeah, yeah. So much of what we're seeing is it's a show for us. Yes. On the other hand, in this day of information, when, when bad news is so easily spread, it's just as easy to verify it. And people don't seem to take the three seconds it takes to just Google something. I, well, I agree I'm with nice, you on like, that. I'm like, what the hell? I agree with you on that. I, my hope is that somehow the electors will perform a miracle. Yeah, I don't know. I think he's going to have to be impeached. And it, it will happen. The second he takes office, he's going to have a mountain of lawsuits on top of him. And all these people, all these poor people that wanted some outsider to represent them, I just don't understand how they could have elected a guy born with literally a silver spoon in his mouth. I mean, yeah, I mean, he's he craps on a gold toilet. Yeah, he like, would never deign to go somebody's to go to somebody's Midwest town that didn't have a runway big enough for his plane. Right. He despises those people. I don't understand what they were thinking. And now, I mean, you look at all his cabinet picks i mean it's all goldman sachs and exxon and i mean he's literally picking people that want to destroy the very positions that they've been elected to uphold i know or appointed to uphold i've never seen anything like it i haven't either i just read today that the 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 top that the 17 people he's chosen so far combined have more net worth than a third of the country combined if you take the lowest third of the country combined these 17 people have more money than all of those people put together 
Well, and they're somehow going to understand what it is to be a Midwest farmer or, or a guy in, <laughs> in up, upstate Pennsylvania, a coal farmer or something. You know, it's it's truly it's truly I mean, baffling. A coal miner. Yeah. But but I think the divide is the reason why he got elected. Yeah. It's it's that chicken egg situation. There's it's there's such a division, and people see no way out. Yeah. Of their circumstances. Mm -hmm. And well, buy all that. The GOP for the last 35 years has cut education and health care to the point that there is a large population that is stupid and sick in this country. That's right. And when you have those types of people, they will vote for any kind of change, no matter if you put a swastika on top of it or anything. It doesn't matter. As long as it represents change to them, they're going to vote for it. Well, and, and that's what happened. My daughter, who is in my oldest, is in seventh grade. She came home the other day and they had to watch in her history class the boy in the striped pajamas, mm -hmm. which I then watched with her after because she had questions. And I was like, oh, oh my God. God, I know. But what's terrifying is the father of the little boy is a, a SS soldier. Uh -huh. And they're at the dinner table. And he says, well, why is this happening? And he says, because we have to make this country great again. Right. Oh, yeah. It's been around for a long time. And that was in the movie was made in 2008. Sure. Well, I think it came... If I'm not mistaken, I think Margaret Thatcher coined the the phrase, and then somebody else, Reagan, used it in his campaign. It's been it's not new. It's not a new idea. But Reagan, I Reagan mean, Hitler would be, used to say, "Let's make we have to make Germany great again." I his know. words, like I verbatim. Know. Yeah. But but that's what's so terrifying. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, I also watched. There's this incredible Jorge Ramos documentary. Uh huh. Um, that was made throughout the election. Mm -hmm. And he went and spoke to like a grand wizard in Texas mm -hmm. and all this stuff. Well, he was at a... One of the last great journalists, really. Oh, he's yeah. so great. Mm -hmm. He was at a, um, a some sort of... Jesus <laughs> Christ, what the fuck? <laughs> he was at a, um, a Trump press conference and he got called on and he starts asking him questions about immigration and yeah. what he had said about Mexican people and he said yeah, get him out of here right yeah so he gets thrown into the lobby and who comes up to him Steve Bannon and Steve Bannon's like ah oh, fuck you go back to your country get the <sighs> fuck out of and I mean this now this person's in the White House wow yeah and he's like I've been here since 1984 he's yeah. like he's like I don't care get out this is our country Oh, my God. I know. That's a nightmare. And this happened in October. Yeah, no, it's a nightmare. I just don't understand how there isn't civil unrest in every major city in this country over it. Well, I'm excited because I am taking 500 bucks that I don't have. Yeah. And I am flying to Washington, D.C., and I'm going to stand in some fucking cold-ass weather. Yeah, when is that? Uh, Well, the, the Women's March is the 21st. I thought he pulled the permits for that. He he did. He, there are certain places where we will not be able to march. Yeah. Like the National Mall. Like all the good spots. But it doesn't matter because yeah. there's going to be thousands of people there. Yeah. And I don't care if we have to march in the water. Sure. We're going to be there together. That's awesome. And, I mean, they're going to have marches here in L.A. and stuff. I needed to be in D.C. Yeah. I yeah. just... And I know, I mean, there's going to be, you know, swastikas flying. Oh, people. it's going to be a shit show. It's, <laughs> yeah. It is going to be a shit show, but I... Um, you have to feel like you're doing something, right? Yeah. At least to tell your daughters in 10 years. I At least I marched. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. This is what Sorry you, do, you can't have an abortion. Sorry you can't yeah. have access to health care. Yeah. I tried. But this is what you need to do. Yep. Yeah. 
So that's where I'm off to, and um, and then I'm directing company when I get right when I get back. Yeah, yeah. Where is that? Company is going to be at the Morgan Wixon, uh -huh. where we did our show that's together, right. yeah. and uh, it opens March fourth. Okay. And it runs till April first. When do you have auditions? Auditions are January fourteenth and fifteenth at the theater. At the theater. There you go. Uh, it's all on the website of the theater. Okay. And I'll also have the information on my website, which is kristentowersrolls.com. Perfect. And uh, and then I've got some bookings on my solo show and um, yeah. That's I, excellent. I don't know what's coming uh, with the 99 seat thing that's happened. I don't know when I'll work again in Los Angeles as an actor. Well, that's a whole other episode. Isn't that it? is a whole episode. I'll come back. We can I'd talk love about to. it. Yeah. And I'll bring some. I have other props. Big like yeah, <laughs> big, <laughs> big rubber nose and you know, know stuff I've, that plays on the radio. Yeah, I've got um no, I've got some really great Pro ninety nine friends. Okay, that, that can tell you more than I can. I, I don't know enough about it, so that would be a great episode. Yeah, I'd love to talk about. Let's it. totally do that because it's really important to the people of Los Angeles. You know, For sure, the seven thousand equity members. Yeah, in Los Angeles that are out of that are now not now. able to get on a stage here. Well, it's not like we're a theater town. I mean, come on. We have 280 yeah. theaters. I know. It's crazy. It's really great to see you. You too. Thanks for coming. I Thank had a great you. time Happy catching Happy birthday. Up. Thank you. That's very special. I got to be on your show on your birthday. Oh, it's so sweet. Yeah. Well, you're thanks awesome. for being on the show. Thank you. And that was Kristen Towers Rolls, everybody. I want to thank her for being on the show. Thank you, Kristen. I'd love to have her back talk about the 99 seat theater thing that's going around here in Los Angeles. I don't know enough about that, and she's an expert at it. I'd also like to talk to her about uh, her political views and how she expresses herself. I find that really interesting, and I find that there's a lot of courage in that these days. I think uh, a lot of people are afraid to, to say how they feel for fear of uh, damaging their reputation or their um, income somehow. But I don't know. I think it's really important. I think if you have something to say, you should say it and let the cards fall where they're going to fall. That's how I live my life. I'm sure I've I've paid for it, but you know what? I can sleep at night, so that's that. Anyway, I want to thank you all for listening. I really appreciate it. Like I said earlier, this is my favorite day of the week. I love doing this for you guys. If you enjoy my podcast, why don't you go to lwagpod.com, throw me a couple bucks, hit the donate button. It takes about two minutes. I'd sure appreciate it. And uh, I guess that's it. Happy Monday. Hope you enjoy the rest of your week. Like until next time. You like long walks and you wear clean pants. Genius. Get onto my show.